With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of the True Blue LA podcast. I'm Jacob Birch. Eric Steven, you're with me on this pre-Thanksgiving episode. Like I can almost smell the turkey. You're 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 heading out like after we record almost, right? Yeah, I'm going to Palm Springs for a couple days, um, catching up with some friends, and then but I'm going to Orange County for um, for Thanksgiving. So I'll be on the road a little bit the next few days. But I'm on vacation this week, so uh, kind of works out. But you love. You love our listeners, and you love talking to me enough that you're willing to forego the idea of vacation and still talk. Talk a little about right. baseball. Sure. Especially on a week when so much happened. <laughs> well, you know, on these <laughs> weeks, and they happen the off season, and now and then, you know, you and I will either skip an episode if there's really nothing to talk about. But you know what you and I haven't done in a while is open up the mailbag from Twitter, from email, and I think we got some good questions to have uh, some discussions on how we think the Dodgers offseason will go going forward. Yeah, uh, but like before we get to those, um, you know, a couple things. Um, there's no real news this week, but the, the forty setting the 40-man rosters for the Rule 5 draft is Tuesday. Basically, by the time this podcast comes out, um, Kyber Ruiz, maybe a couple others will be added to the 40-man. Maybe a couple of guys getting untendered. Like your Rocky Gale, um, those those types of guys, we'll see. But pretty nothing earth shattering just yet. But also, um, we were going to do a uh, a draft or a, not a draft, but uh, going through the free agent predictions um, for the the six Dodgers free agents um, in the off season, and sort of take our guess at what we think of the projected contracts, um, and then sort of figure it out from there. Yeah, let's go ahead and start with the free agents. So we've got six and a half names here. Uh, you and I were joking before we started recording that uh, Hudson does not have any numbers. So I'll, I'll let you wean that one. How about that? Sure, sure. So let's start with the biggest name and the the biggest salary and the least amount of time as a Dodger, uh, Manny Machado. I guess not the least. There's a few names on here that are even less. Uh, so <laughs> we have the prediction at 13,390. And then the uh, Heyman has MLB 10, trade rumors. right, and um, Heyman has ten three hundred million. Um, yeah, Philadelphia, I think, has to be the favorite. They they are the only team really who, who aren't hiding anything that they're going to try to be big spenders this year. Try and turn things. They had a re- pretty good this year without any of that big spending, and they seem pretty firmly committed that adding a big name or even two puts them over the top in the AL East. And they don't really have a like a competent shortstop defensively, um, so he would fit in nicely there. The one thing I object to is <laughs> MLB trade rumors. We saw this a little bit. We talked about the 
the Bryce Harper prediction. His was 14-420 with the Dodgers, and this is Machado, 13-390. I mean, no one's getting that long of a deal. I mean, I know how young they are, but come on, it's not going to happen. Like, maybe a 10-year deal, but, I mean, there's going to be opt-outs involved or whatever. But $30 million sounds right per year, um, but I have to go with the under on a 13-390. I think the Heyman one is closer, uh, 10 years, $300 million. Um, but it really depends what the market sort of. Yeah, and one um, of the things that's interesting about pr- making predictions about these salaries is the pr- ever presence of opt-outs in these big long-term contracts. Now, is they they're almost not fair anymore? You know, it's like how how much do you value two, three, four different opt-outs throughout the term of a year? Uh, excuse me, term of a deal. Uh, a little less fun than when they were rock solid. You were absolutely kind of locking in a guy for however long you got him at. Sure. It's something that gives the players more, uh, a little more value, a little more power. Um, but like we, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't remember a deal that had more than like two opt outs. So I think that's still around the norm. They just want to have options, but the team is still committing to that kind of guaranteed money. So it still sort of counts in that regard. But um, yeah, I, I would go the under maybe like an eight or nine year deal. Maybe a little higher than thirty million, uh, depending on who's involved. You see, the Yankees like um, from a short term basis, they're going to be without Didi Gregorius for the, a few months, um, and and you know, long term, Machado is better than Gregorius, I think. So um, you could see that fitting long term and short term. But you know, whether they're going to be in it um, to the extent the Phillies are remains to be seen. So. But I, I think somewhere in between that ten three hundred and thirteen three ninety, um, you know, I just have a hard time seeing such a long, long deal for these type of things. But the the per year seems about right to me. I I agree. Somewhere in the like thirty to thirty two range, and it'll be really interesting because we had um, Stanton's deal as sort of what I think a lot of these free agents are hoping to base their deals on. But outside of that, we position players specifically, and granted. This is largely on mid-tier position players, guys that can get the qualifying offer but not really get, lock up these super deals. We don't really have a recent comparison of a free agent, especially this age, to go on. So it'll be really, really interesting, and I think that explains why for both Machado and Bryce, we d- really have no easy comparison to make. Yeah, Robinson Cano was the last big one. They're 10-240. I think, I think he was after Pujols, um, who was a 10-year with the Angels, but... Um, I think too with Stanton, um, his deal with the Marlins was 13 for 325, but that was also, he wasn't a free agent, but it was also like the Marlins are a special case because the they had a, just a <laughs> like, terrible owner. Um, and they're basically, they had to do something to sort of, um, you know, get baseball off their backs, basically, or the players union and things like that. So and also, that was a heavily backloaded deal. They knew they were going to trade. So, like, that was, like, a special situation. So, I don't – unless you see that kind of thing, I don't think we're going to see a 13-year deal. So, next up, we have Yasmani Grindal, we, where the three predictions we have are all <laughs> over the place. MLB Trade Rumors has 464. Four years, $64 million. John Heyman went two years, $20 million. Don't think <laughs> that's going to happen. That seems low. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, basically the qualifying offer, but over two years. And then uh, John Heyman's the expert number at three years, $39 million. 
Yeah, and so um, I think I saw that today that MLB trade rumors had Grandal going to the Nationals, um, and I think today they just uh, or they haven't announced yet, but I think they're going to sign Kurt Suzuki. Um, so maybe that takes them out of that. I'm not totally sure, but um, probably. Um, but 464 seems aggressive. Wouldn't surprise me to see Grandal get a four year deal though. Like we we talked about this, the catching market is so bad, and he's you know actually productive you could see him getting that kind of a deal but i think he gets at least a three four year deal um maybe not 16 million a year but it's not going to be that far off so yeah i think it's like i think it's over yeah over the 339 but under the 464 maybe that's that's where i sort of settle in with him i think yeah right in that sweet spot kind of right in the middle of there is where where i would expect yeah now, what I think may be the most, I mean, you could pr- it's probably Manny, but I think Brian Dozier is a really interesting case. Similar to Grandall, but sort of different, right? Grandall had this, has had the reputation of being, at least hitting-wise and framing-wise, one of the best catchers in baseball. And Brian Dozier, for a good two, three, four-year stretch, had the reputation of one of the best hitting and defensive second baseman in baseball. And he just f- fell off a cliff this year. Previous years to this, he had was really, really cold in the first half and really, really hot in the second half. Never really caught that for the Dodgers. And I, all three predictions that we have in front of us are one-year deals, which make a lot of sense. He's clearly incentivized to take kind of a prove-it prove year, prove-it contract, see if he can show that he's the, the hitter he has been in the past. So the numbers we have all one years are ten million for MLB trade rumors. Again, Washington prediction, uh, mm. nine million from John Heyman and six and a half from the expert. Yeah, I think that sounds about right for these. Like, yeah, you, you talk about just bad timing. Like he, you know, in his free agent year, he just happened to just completely crater. Um, you know, and he was so good the, the previous like two three years, um, uh, especially as a power hitter and like, man, it just, he just fell off a cliff. So, but yeah, I could see maybe a one-year deal. Um, you know, that, that sounds about right. Maybe the, the 9 million sounds about right to me. I, I would, um, I would probably say the under just on the, the, maybe, maybe in between that nine and six and a half or something like that. I have but, uh, eight yeah. and a half with incentives up to 13. Oh, okay, nice. So, yeah, that sounds about right to me. And then we have Ryan Matson next. Uh, John Heyman's number is uh, one year, four million, and the experts, one year, five million. Yeah. Um, he had, he was dealing with injuries and, you know, was pretty uh, bad at times with the Nationals, but he sort of, um, once he got a little bit of rest, he was better. He was okay down the stretch with the Dodgers, had good peripheral numbers. And then, of course, you know, <laughs> Two pretty good rounds in the postseason, yeah. and then Mister Inherited Runners in the in the World Series, and that's his lasting impression. So that's not always the best way to go to market, but um, you know it's about right. You know uh, he has a lot of experience. He's also older, um, so I, I see that maybe that that five million one year sounds about right to me. Um, I I do wonder, um, like you know it, how much. All it takes is like one team to get a market, and you get like a two-year deal or one plus an option or something. So, but I'd still feel comfortable taking the over on on those. Next two names, I have I have no idea how to put this. So right. Daniel Hudson, which we don't have a prediction, and then John Axford, uh, John Heyman, and expert both go one year, two million. Uh, my answer, sure. Right. Yeah. He was he was hurt and kind of bad. Axford. 
Um, so he's not going to get much of a deal, but it's, it's probably going to be a one-year deal somewhere. Um, Hudson, it's weird. He The MLB trade rumors only listed top 50, so understandable he wasn't in that. Heyman listed like 131 free agents, and I think it was just a an accident that he left Daniel Hudson off, but he, he's, oh, he's no. off. So. But I, I think he gets more closer to like a Madsen deal, um, a little bit more of a um, uh, injury history with him. Uh, so maybe not as high as Matson, but he, he's all in that like the one year deal. Um, so maybe like a one year four million dollar deal, something like that for Hudson. I, I I don't know, just kind of guessing at this point. Sure, I'll sign up with you. Like I said, I have I have nowhere to pin those guys. The only other thing on on the free agents, um, the MLB trade rumors, they predicted the teams as well as the amounts for these top fifty guys, and the one guy outside of Harper. They had going to the Dodgers. Well, they also had Ryu, but he accepted the qualifying offer. But um, they had Kelvin Herrera um, also on a one-year deal at $8 million. He's coming off of left foot surgery, uh, Liz Frank uh, ligament, I think. Uh, so unsure of his availability to start the year, but, you know, possibly who could help down the stretch. Uh, that seems plausible to me. Me too. Um, so just something to watch. Uh, you know, no real news or anything but that's just something to look out for I, i'm sure the dodgers will be adding relievers um and he seems kind of the that seems kind of to fit the profile of guys they've been looking for in the past well i'm eager to open up this mailbag are you sure thing mark wants to know when are the dodgers going to announce chase utley as their new general manager third base coach or hitting coach now i will point out that <laughs> mark uh was asking this in jest you know, kind of joking around a little bit, but you it's get a lot of get... questions that look exactly like this, right? And I just wanted to address it a little bit, and a lot of it, like AJ Ellis should um, come over and be the coach, you know, that kind of a thing. I don't like it for two reasons. I don't want to be a killjoy on this, but um, a like, especially for an active player like in AJ Ellis's case, like he wants to keep playing. Like, stop, like wanting to end his career now and like just make him a coach like um i know he was a fan favorite um it doesn't mean you know he has to quit playing and immediately become a coach but also on the other end i just think it's it's uh it's just completely shows like a lack of understanding of what it takes like goes into being a coach look players with like name recognition like chase outley especially can probably write their own ticket to a post-baseball uh, playing career. But um, it takes a lot to just, you know, be a major league coach from nothing, you know? He has a lot of play- playing experience, but, man, there, there's a lot of work involved. These these coaches, they put in longer hours than the players do um, in terms of showing up earlier, preparing with players. Like, if a guy wants early batting practice, they have to find a coach to, like, you know, help him with that. Um, they stay after, they – it's a lot of work and you're basically like dealing with 25 to 30 guys at a time. And it's not something like, it's not an easy transition for one thing. Um, and you know, a lot of play, players go coach in the minors for a little bit to, before they become a major league coach. So I think it's a little insulting to actual coaches in this regard. And then, but in, in Utley's case specifically too, like he said, he's retiring to spend more time with his family. He's not going to all of a sudden be a coach and continue the, the crazy travel that you go with being with the major league staff and with even more hours of work, you know, <laughs> while doing it. So 
I just don't see that as feasible. I understand people love Chase Utley and want him around. He's going to be more of a special if he stays around. He'll be like just occasionally showing up guy at home, that kind of a thing. I think, but I just think uh, I would I would not I would not be opposed to those those sort of questions going away <laughs> for a while. <laughs> well, it'll be the last one you and I take for a little bit. How about that? Yeah, make you sure. Better. Living Blue wants to know, is Kershaw still the number one uh, in the 2019 rotation? I mean, for on one... Um, and in terms of we bestow this as an honorific, who gets the opening day start, who's your yeah. number one going into a postseason? Absolutely. 100%. Now, yeah. you could, if you want to say, well, no, no, I mean it from the, is he the best pitcher on the Dodgers staff? Probably. I know Walker Bueller had an incredible year last year, and he could certainly imp- uh, keep at it and repeat it or even get better, but he might not. You, it was his first year. Things happen. <laughs> Adjustments get made. We don't know what's going to happen going in, whereas Kershaw has this extremely proven track record, record, even dealing with back injuries, even dealing with you know being adjusted to. So. Yeah, I, what I do think is that just on on some level, it doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, like uh, even even if Kershaw improves, and he he probably will. He, you know, let, let's say even if he doesn't gain those two miles an hour back on his fastball, but finds a way to like you know increase his repertoire and you know pitch better, he could still improve over last year and still like be passed by Walker Bueller, who makes strides or something. But that. It, you know, where they stand doesn't really matter. I mean, I would say for certain, you know, nothing's been said so, but Kershaw's going to start opening day. I don't think that's a uh, a question for 2019, um, you know, if he's healthy. Um, so, but all, all that really matters is that if he's healthy enough to stay in the rotation all year and be effective, um, and then I just go from there. But, yeah, so I think he's he's still the, the nominal, like, number one guy. But more importantly, he needs to be a guy who's like healthy the whole year or, you know, healthy and effective. And I think that's more what they're looking at rather than his like ordinal place in the rotation. Really good follow up question from Richard. What are the Dodgers plans for starting pitching going into next season? I think it's going to look really similar to last year, don't you? Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, we talked about this with the caveat that they could. They could still they they can make a lot of moves like this winter yes, and true. maneuver guys. But as it stands now, they basically have six starters um, in Kershaw, Bueller, Hill, Ryu, and then um, Alex Wood and Kent Maeda. Now, um, you know this talks about or this gets into like you know when do you switch Maeda to relief if at all? We've they've done it the last couple of years, so at some point we'll probably see that, but. Um, I, you know, that probably sort itself out. Maybe they, maybe they trade one of those guys. Um, uh, I don't really know, but I think it's, those are the six. And then you still have like, uh, Julio Urias and Caleb Ferguson and Ross Stripling sort of waiting in the wings, either as triple A starters or bullpen pieces. Um, maybe more so Stripling and Ferguson, the latter, um, but it's pretty set. Uh, it's pretty decent, you know, knock on wood and everything uh, as it stands now. But, you know, a few moves in the offseason could kind of change everything in that regard. And just one more thing on that is that 
not only do they have those six, but they have a lot of other guys in the wings. So, and which they used very much to their advantage, resting guys a lot. And I think we're going to see basically the same thing. Uh, and similar to two years ago, if one of the cogs just kind of falters a little bit and it's, you know, you don't have a rock solid sort of third, fourth guy that going into the playoffs, you could see a debt trade uh, at the deadline, uh, possibly a new deadline. Uh, as oh, opposed yeah. to just in the offseason. So I think we're going to see kind of a conglomeration of what happened over the last two years, and I wouldn't expect anything too exciting. But as you said, who knows? I, I think the if we see some big shakeups, they're going to be in other aspects of the team. But uh, I, I make no strides in saying I can predict this front office. Right. Yeah. So it, it, there's a lot of variables in the lineup and the roster and it makes for a lot of variables about what they could do this offseason so anything is kind of in play at this point uh, jeff once has a few questions one of which i think is related to this uh, his first is who will would be traded to and what will we get in return this is not the first question i've seen not necessarily directed at us but just sort of in general in the dodgers fan community about wood getting traded is did i miss something or is this uh people hoping uh, it's people hoping, but okay. also he, you know, like we saw it, like he was kind of the odd man out uh, at the end of the year. Um, they, I don't think they're that enamored with his stuff, although he's, you know, shown he's pretty adept at like, at, you know, knowing how to pitch and things like that. But um, whether you're out of a postseason rotation, but um viable for regular season rotation it's like it could be a little, two different animals at this point but um i don't know like he, he has one season before free agency so maybe they try to leverage that in some sort of trade I, i'm not going to predict who they're going to trade him to or who they're going to get for him i don't know but just know that it's if, if someone gets traded if i had to guess of the starters i, I would say wood is the most likely to be traded uh, of all of them his next question is on the other side of the diamond. Will Verdugo be one of the starting outfielders on opening day? Yeah, I kind of go back and forth on this. I kind of think he will be in, in a weird way, but but there's like they have to do a lot to get there. Like you basically have to move Kemp or Puig or both or, or something, and it depends on you know if they're going to sign somebody. Um, you know, how do they do that? Do does it mean Kike and Taylor basically? mostly second base at this point because um, you still have with freeze around you still have like you got to play Muncie somewhere and that means you got to play Bellinger in center field more or somewhere in the outfield so you really have to and you still have Jock around and you still have Andrew Tolls um, so and it really depends what other things they're going for so um, moving a Camp is more of a dump type deal, and it's only one year left, so it's maybe easier than last year. Uh, I think that's how it gets done. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know how they're going to do, but I think that's the, sort of the direction uh, they they might go. But like I said, there is a long way between now and then. But just as a, as a guess, I will say yes. I think he will be in the starting lineup on opening day. I'll say no because of some weird platoon thing. Ha. Ah, what if they face a lefty? Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> so, question from Craig. Your favorite part of Mailbag? Yep. It's certainly mine. Our friend mm-hmm. Craig Manami sends us questions every time we do one of these mailbags, and sometimes when we don't, and we answer them anyways because we love answering them. He says, Happy Thanksgiving, Eric and Jacob. 
Time to get back into the routine of asking questions for the podcast. I agree. Also, I was trying to do a Casey Kasem impression there. <laughs> With Ryu taking the qualifying offer, five of the potential top eight starting candidates are left-handed. Kershaw, Hill, Ryu, Urias, and Wood. With only Bueller locked in as a starting rotation spot. So far, the lowest number of starts in a season by right-handed pitchers for the Los Angeles Dodgers is 50 in 1965. And the post-four-man rotation era, 2017 had the fewest with 56 starts by a right-handed pitcher. My start, my question is, excuse me, will the 2019 Dodgers have more than 56 starts by a right-handed pitcher in 2019? Uh, I think they will, only because I'm high on Bueller and I'm high on Maeda um, sort of regaining that rotation status. And then, like like you said, they um, depending on what other moves they make, we'll see. But um, Stripling can still make some starts. So I know Ferguson and Urias are both left-handed, and so it kind of throws a wrench in that. But I, I think I'll still take the over on 56. Question number two, with the offseason here, an all-time favorite question reappears. Does Jacob and Eric have any TV shows they plan to catch up on or binge during the next few months? Hmm. Last year, I caught up on The Good Place and I think The Goldbergs. Um, I don't... Off the top of my head, I can't think of any right now. I, I'm sure there'll be, there'll be some... Uh, but yeah, I I guess I wish I if it's come up with something off the top of my head. But yeah, I don't have any right now. I need to catch up on Agents of the Shield. I only mm-hmm. saw the first few episodes of last season. It's one of my sort of favorite bingey shows. Frustrating to watch because at least it has been for the last few seasons. Only five episodes are on Hulu. So if oh. I you know miss five in a row because I'm traveling or something, I just can't get caught up without buying an episode. Oh yeah. yeah, not into it. But other than that, I, I tend to just watch really bad mystery or crime shows I, and, and no particular discerning order. Midsummer Mysteries, a British one, is what I've been doing lately. But, you know, nothing in particular on my mind. A good place might happen. Uh, my wife been watching that a lot of that. So to be able to converse with her and get references, probably should do that. And maybe that'll hmm. be, that sounds like a good one to do kind of over the Christmas part of the holidays. Yeah, I find myself, too, like watching an awful lot of, Food Network and HGTV to pass the time, so maybe that that bites into some of the binging time. So, I'll, I'm sure I'll figure out something and, and to to catch up on them. This is very exciting. I have a question just for me. This doesn't happen very often. You you get a lot of specific questions. People like mm-hmm. you. I'm indifferent. <laughs> he wants to know as a longtime pub trivia game player, what would be your ideal knowledge breakdown for a four person team? So this depends heavily on the kind of pub you go to. You need to go once before you assemble your team. Some skew much closer to Jeopardy in that they'll have a lot more history, literature, geography, sort of traditional quiz bowl questions, unless uh, trash is the term, which is an acronym I always forget, but it means more pop culture stuff, versus the one I go to, which is much, much more pop culture oriented, always featuring uh, one round of... 16 points of music questions so for mine i we in our (laughs) we have a three-person team of regulars and then a bunch of people that come and go none of us are great at the music questions they ask which tends to skew 80s and 90s top 40 
Uh, we're oh, pretty man. good at we're pretty good at current music. We're I'm I'm really good at anything pre eighties. But mm-hmm. there's just this gap where I was listening to the oldie station instead of top forty when I was growing up in the the late eighties and throughout the nineties. So, so I should come visit you in Kansas City. You is what should, you're and I feel yeah. I, yeah, and you should. When I, when will you? Uh, good question. I'll feed you what? barbecue. Oh man, it gets the the trip it, like gets more enticing every second. There you go. Uh, you should have, but let's see if if I'm assuming going in blind, you know nothing about it. You should have one music person, one academic person, let's say, and covers that kind of covers your history. Someone that did really good in school and likes being good at school. Uh, you should have one uh, sort of pop culture celebrity news person, and you, should, you need to have someone that can cover sports. And and then everything else comes from once you have that base, any person you add is going to add some sort of weird wrinkle of knowledge that is going to help you cover and get you some usually bar tabs also make make friends with ken jennings also helpful (laughs) question four which is the most which is the most likely to happen in 2019 a max muncie leads the dodgers and starts at first base or b chris taylor has 400 plus plate appearances or c kenta maeda has more games in relief than starts uh, there was an easy one for for me on this one. Do, do you have a guess or do you have an order? I I have an order. Yeah. Yeah, I think Chris Taylor by far. B, yeah. B, yeah, I have BAC. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so too because I don't think I think Maeda will have more starts than relief appearances. So he's at the bottom, and then yeah, so Chris Taylor will probably get five or six hundred plate appearances, and then uh, Max Muncy. Um, probably leads his Dodgers and starts first base. But like you said, every year there's something new that we don't anticipate. So <laughs> who knows, man? He could lead the team and starts at second base. But the great uh, thing about like, betting on the, the Chris Taylor option is that outside of an injury, it kind of doesn't matter. You plug him wherever. <laughs> right. Maybe second Chris base, Taylor, short what do you think stop. about this? Chris mm-hmm. Taylor, starting catcher for the Dodgers. You know what? I wouldn't put it past him. He's got a pretty good arm. Uh, we'll see. And so, or this could finally be the let Kike catch movement, like yes. getting to to its uh, fruition. So maybe maybe we'll see that. And final question, fittingly about Thanksgiving. On Thanksgiving, if you were to have one of these without gravy on it, which oh. would it be? Ugh. Turkey <laughs> stuffing or mashed potatoes? It's got to be the uh. stuffing, right? Right. The at least the that other, has moisture. <laughs> yeah, that that can survive on its own if it has to. And uh, the the turkey really can good, too. Yeah, like a really good turkey though. But let's uh, say you, you don't know the quality going in. <laughs> right. That's true. Uh, but I think like mashed potatoes, you, you absolutely have to have gravy on there uh, for like a holiday meal. Um, and the you know the turkey is a plus that you have gravy on it. Stuffing, I put gravy on it, but. It's not imperative, so yeah, it has to be the the. If I had to sacrifice one uh, item for gravy, it'd be the stuffing or dressing. Now I just want gravy, right? Just in my hands. We're getting so close. I can I can almost taste it. Well, so. hopefully we have some big Thanksgiving week news. We'll at least be able to talk about the forty man next week and Rule Five shenanigans, if if any uh, occur. Hasn't really Dodgers haven't done much with that lately. So not much much to talk about there usually. But, hey, maybe something exciting will happen. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Like, we can always hope for Bryce Harper, but I'm not so bullish on that. 
it'll be as you say it does look like this with this front office and with the, where the team is trade seems like the most likely thing in which case those are easily the hardest things to predict so who knows what's going to happen but it'll be exciting to see especially if it, it happens soon and also technically they don't have a general manager i know they have a lot of people <laughs> sort of in there but you know and not that they can't get anything done but it's just it is sort of in that weird I'll, I'll sort of on limbo. one last dodgers question we try to i feel feel a little ashamed but i i want to know and i i forgot to ask is this a position you think they're they have to fill in the offseason is this a thing they could kind of just let Friedman kind of do both roles that division of labor has always been a little murky no uh they it's all been like collaborative type stuff Mm -hmm. um but I do think they have to fill it like this offseason like um you just have to sort of get everything in place and you know sort of solidify the structure that things like that but yeah they, they have to whether it's bringing in a new voice or um, reorganizing stuff, I think you have to get that settled sooner rather than later. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to that. Maybe that will happen. And I'm going to talk to you next week, right? I think so. Uh, at the very least, in two weeks, uh, we'll probably have some non-tender stuff at that point. But we'll, we'll get together at some point. Yeah. Uh, and if we get know, another non-news week, so. week and we skip a week, we'll tweet out letting you all know that we're taking yeah. a week off. But yeah, so but you know, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and I hope you don't have to choose which items to not put gravy on. I hope you have enough gravy for everything. But uh, thanks for listening, and uh, enjoy the weekend. Thanks.